Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. This morning, you'll get the treat, the delight uh, of hearing from Christina Snyder of Snyder. It's an agency that I'm going to let her tell you all about. It is creative beyond creative. It's like eye candy, every bit of it. And I'm excited for you guys to hear her story and then to learn a little bit more about her thoughts on creativity. Christina Snyder, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Netta. It's so great to be talking to you today. I, I really admire what you do and your podcast is amazing. Aww. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What a compliment. So tell us a little bit about Snyder. So Snyder is an artist representation agency, and uh, we also do creative production, which basically means that we work with artists that do static illustration, the type of stuff that you would see in magazines, on book covers, in ad campaigns. But we also have a, a growing division for animation, which is animated content mm -hmm. and that also could be for advertising or for anything really we're we're really excited about that we're developing it um, as we speak so that's what we do we help artists develop uh, their craft and sort of develop their careers that's awesome and your background um, give us a little bit of that because that's such a specific world to understand and to know tell us did you kind of have agency experience? Where did that come from? <laughs> no, uh, no, I did not. Um, but I have always been a person that is, is sort of jumped into things, mm -hmm. not necessarily with enough experience. So in this case, I was a photo editor and photo researcher in New York City for many years, uh, over a decade. And so with that, I started working at uh, HBO and I was there for almost two years and somebody mentioned to me that I should look into, you know, becoming an, an agent for photographers because I was very interested in photography um, through my work and also I did photography on my own. So that led to me on a whim, just kind of jumping in and and starting uh, a photo agency representing photographers. And I, I knew photography. I knew the bidding process. I knew what it took. And my idea was I can go to the photographers that I know and just um, get work for them. So that's how it started around 2002. And you had had experience at Newsweek, at Time, at People, like you had been exposed right. to some of the kind of heavy hitters. Is that where you were meeting some of these photographers that you wanted to represent? Yes. Actually, one of them I met at Condé Nast Traveler because I worked there as a, as a researcher and I did various jobs, a little bit of editing as well. 
And I met a Swedish photographer there. Uh, his name is Håkan Ludvigsson. And uh, he was, a, still is, very f famous photographer in Sweden who had a contract with Condé Nast Traveler. So we started talking. And then when I got this crazy idea to start an agency, uh, we decided to work together. And it went really well. I mean, he worked for many years in the States and was a terrific uh, partner for me in the beginning. And then I added other photographers, not necessarily for my time as an editor, because Time and Newsweek at the time, um, I started in the 90s, they were mostly focused on, um, on news. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like when news really mattered mm -hmm. for magazines. So no, it was just people that I knew from HBO and other jobs that I had worked at. So, yeah, but I was exposed to a lot of things that I think an editor today probably wouldn't be exposed to, such as, I mean, somebody, I was recently in Berlin and I walked past the Berlin Wall and I remember being at Newsweek, looking up at the monitor in the newsroom going, oh my God, the yeah. Berlin Wall is falling. Yeah. So that, that, that was sort of my experience. But when it came to the agency for photographers, it was mostly advertising, location work, car work, that kind of thing. And just to make sure that all of our listeners are on the same page, describe the work of an agent. So you have creative talent, in your case, it was photographers, and your job is to find them work, essentially. Yes, my job was to find them work, number one, but also to shape them, advise them on how to market, uh, how to profile themselves mm. to become like, you know, popular in a sense. It is definitely a game of popularity because there's so many photographers in the world, and especially in New York. But yeah, so hand-holding, negotiating contracts, uh, sometimes doing a bit of production, just making sure that all the ducks are in the row and also putting out uh, competitive bids, you know, like estimates for jobs. Um, so that's what an agent does. And it's about the same for illustration and animation, actually. It's just less intense because there's less moving parts in the production sequence, so to say. On the animation side? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and illustration, yeah. And moving parts in that it's a little bit more soup to nuts what you and that creative person does yeah if you compare photography with uh, illustration slash animation you know a photographer has to go out and capture what is essentially outside of a fake reality you have to sort of build up this car is driving up the road oh, and i'm taking yes. pictures of that whereas illustration and animation comes from somebody's imagination and so it's it's a more direct feed into uh the end result you could say that makes sense. And it seems to me if I'm just, you know, a, a lay person who's looking at uh, commercial commercials right now, and I'm including digital commercials, not just what we see on television, but it seems to me animation is being used more and more and more to storytell. Is that the case because we're more interested? Is it the case that we know how to use and utilize animation to get these narratives across? What is it? Well, I think it's a, a couple of things. I, I think it is what you mentioned. Uh, it's a very direct way to express oneself. And, and the other thing is, if it doesn't work out, then you could just redo it, mm -hmm. right? So it's an easier process. But I also think that the popularity has surged after COVID 
And we saw this along with other agencies that I've talked to after COVID, immediately when it hit, the whole world was locked down. And so photography and live action filming of commercials, for instance, didn't happen for a long time. So that's where animation kind of rose up and all of a sudden everybody needed to communicate like crazy about COVID and banking and, you know, sending out messages. And so... Uh, I think that that is, has been a boon, but there's something else as well. And I don't know if I actually can, can say what it is, but it's uh, maybe a counterweight to the excessive photography that we see in social media. I mean, everybody's a photographer. Right. That's, that's p- part of the reason that I actually switched over to illustration because I felt like uh, photography was everywhere. It's, it's kind of like it went down, uh, whereas illustration went up. And I, I think it's because everybody has a camera that's really good now. And all of a sudden, that specialty realm that I was promoting and trying to sell, it wasn't really in the demand as much. And so it's the counterweight to like a million pictures that we see every day sure. on Instagram and TikTok. And so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting that it's actually become a more skilled way of expressing an idea for a brand, say. Yeah, it reminds me, it parallels what happened, um, I think, in the editorial world, in print in in particular, when bloggers started to really take over, um, I think, of Mm -hmm. Fashion Week, when all of a sudden it wasn't just all the top editors, you were having bloggers show up. And, you know, everyone sort of poo-pooed the idea that this... 21-year-old knew what she was talking about, and then all of a sudden she exploded. So there is something interesting about how that world expanded and makes sense why you would have shifted into another world and sort of specialized the work that you were doing. What's the difference between working with photographers and working with animators? <laughs> well, the reason that I shifted over was really, and, and this this is one of the reasons, obviously, but, but a large part of the reason was that the negotiation process for photography involves 16-page uh, proposals with line items for every single sandwich that you want to, um, you know, charge for. Right. And that became, it, it, it came in the way of the creativity, the end result. I mean, you work for uh, weeks on this really hard job that was very well paid, but in the end, it was like often, not always, but often, sometimes, it was like, that's it? That's Mm. it? And it wasn't really, it wasn't, didn't weigh that heavily uh, against all the work that I put in. So in in my own mind, part of the reason was negotiations for photography, two weeks working hard, it's exhausting. Negotiations for illustration was like, okay, we're interested. How much do you have in your budget? We have this amount. Okay, let's do it. It was a much easier way to go negotiate. But apart from that, I also feel that it was more inspiring and more Mm -hmm. interesting in the end. I, I think I grew out of the photography realm because I had been doing it for so long. So it was kind of like, you know, it's that thing of uh, every 10 years, I got to look for something new to do. Maybe you're the same. Uh, I'm absolutely the same. And I actually think that there's so many women out there that are the same. And, you know, one of the intentions of this platform is to say, 
And so the next 10 years, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. we don't need to be winding down. We're, you know, all the things I've said a million times to our listeners, we're living longer. We have ambitions that go beyond perhaps our home life if we took some time off. And I think we need to sort of recalibrate and rethink what 50, 40, 50, and 60 can look like. Um, yeah. And that it is a time of creativity and it is a time of renewal. And there's a lot that we can give to those things. And that doesn't mean a nine to five job. It doesn't, it, you know, it can mean something different. But I think this is a great pivot for my next question, but it, it really, <laughs> it really taking our creativity seriously and really trying to understand what we have to offer and what we can do to engage ourselves as well as engage the world. So your shift for you was partly wanting to be sort of renewed and have that creative sort of thing put out into the world. What is it about creativity that you think is sort of vital for the, the for the business, for your own process, for the outcome? Well, I think the simple answer is ideas. Mm. You know, I, I spend a lot of time just ideating, coming up with good ideas, hopefully, and bad ideas. I spend a lot of time listening to the rest of, of the team at Snyder, their ideas. It, and I have this sort of um, unwritten rule for myself that, you know, any idea can be a, a good idea. It's just come up with an idea and we'll consider it together. Um, I love ideating. That's that's my job now because I've sort of shifted away from uh, client responsibilities. And my job now is to lead the agency and come up with, as you mentioned, what's up for us in the next 10 years? Where is that going to lead us? And so that is what I find because of my age, my experience, and my role in the company as the owner and CEO, I I feel that that's where my time should be spent. Sure. So about creativity, I think that I came, personally, I came to creativity pretty late after having it sort of bubble in my life uh, since I was a child. I felt definitely not a spring chicken anymore, but I also feel like at this age, you step out and you say, okay, I'm here. I can stand here and say, I know what I'm talking about. So creativity to me is almost, it, it is everything. It's all that I have really. And I use it. I try to use it in everything that I do because I believe if you incorporate it into everything that you do, your thinking, your planning, your uh, excitement, your, you know, bravery, and, and you sort of invite it in, it, amazing things can happen. But what it is for me personally is something I think about. I don't really know. I, th I have an idea that it is something connected to a higher power mm. for sure, because I don't really know, <laughs> know what's going on with me, but I have felt the more I the more I invite it, the more I focus on it, sure. the more ideas I get that I have no idea where they're coming from. It's funny that you said that. So we have a quote on on our homepage that is a famous quote from Marion Wright Edelman, and it says, you have to see it to become it. And Ugh. I use that quote because 
I believe in our storytelling that when we hear and see from other women, it sort of ignites something in us. And I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and she said, you know what? I don't think I agree with that quote on your homepage. I said, tell me why. And she said almost exactly what you just said. She said, because I'm so surprised in my life about the things I couldn't see and they've come to me. And where is that coming from? You know, what is that sort of serendipitous thing where it happens? And my job is to to be able to sort of capture it and do something with it. But that's really interesting. What you're saying reminds me of that conversation that there's something that yeah. you can't see that is is coming to you. I am a, a, a spiritual person. And so I believe that those things do come from for me, from God, and then it's our job to sort of manifest them here on earth, right, in in a meaningful way. Yeah. And so it's interesting to to think about that and to juxtapose that with this other idea of telling stories and having people see things so that they can they can become. But then there's this other element that we can't see. Yeah. And we have a responsibility, I believe, to those things, to our own creativity. Yeah, I think so too. And I actually also associate it with what happens after you go through the life change of mm. menopause. You know, I, I really think that some very powerful things happen when your hormones shift mm -hmm. and you stop worrying about taking care of other people and their feelings, most of all. You know, that doesn't mean that you become a callous person or a sure. mean person or a cold person. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with me for a while here. So that, that's an incredible place to be, to be honest. I, I think it's the most unexpected thing for me. And I remember, you know, one of my heroes here in the world is Gloria Steinem. Mm. And I remember her interview on a podcast where she said, it's great. I'm over 80 and I feel like a teenager. It's like you become a teenager again. And I right. thought that was so beautiful. Right. Yeah. There's something so liberating about it, to be sure. I think, you know, when you talked about having gone through uh, menopause, having gone through the change that that's shifted, I recently have heard that our, the hormone that is most associated with feeling or being maternal is now no longer with us. And so how wonderful that this thing coincides <laughs> with, you know, for some of us letting our children go and, and doing that in a way that's the most healthy for them as well as for us. It creates space to invite something other that we can sort of respond to as you have. Yeah, exactly. And that's, a, that's exactly what I heard too. My sister told me about this and I went, oh, really? Wait, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I also wanted to hit on something you said. You talked about your role in the agency as being one where you can ideate and you can spend that time being creative. I have to believe that the freedom that you have to do that comes largely from not only giving yourself permission to do that and carving out boundaries so that you can do that, but also hiring a team that can mm -hmm. handle the other things and, and frees you up to do that. And you've been very intentional. It's on your website about hiring a team of women. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, was that intentional? Yeah. What did that just happen to be the case? 
Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, it was not intentional. We were not looking just for women to work with, but it kind of just came to us. Mm. I, ha I had this realization the other day that most of our team members, we talked to one, maybe two people, and then we, fo we found them right away. They, it, it was almost like that divine thing that yeah. I had described. Yeah. That it was just like, we need somebody. And it like, ah, oh, it came yeah. from the sky. And here is that person. Uh, for us, it's just never been a, a sort of a intentional. It's just happened that way. And I have to say that I really like it. Mm. Not to be discriminatory, but there's something about working with women that is relaxed and easy and, and really, really nice. Because yeah. I've done both. You know, I've had a partnership with a man that didn't really work out. And then another trial of a partnership it didn't work out either. And I think maybe it's a personal thing for me. But the hiring process of our team has just been almost like a divine intervention. Yeah, <laughs> the right like people came at the right time. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to go back to the creativity piece a little bit. You are in the very beginning stages of writing a book about creativity and sort of, I think it's impact and how we access it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that book? Yeah, the book is, is actually um, mostly about the intersection of creativity, curiosity, and risk. So I fell in love with this term for some reason years ago, parlay. Mm -hmm. Parlay is a betting term. It's like I interpreted as being parlay. I take this step, then I take this step, but it's actually a betting term, which means to risk and wager. So the book, as I see it uh, in the beginning stages, uh, and, and I'm sort of mapping it out now, we'll talk about my own journey because I came to New York with nothing really. Mm. Uh, I had no plan. I had met somebody, but that was it. I, I jokingly say that I, I had a boyfriend and thus an apartment is <laughs> to stay. <laughs> yeah. But I really I didn't have a plan. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any friends. And from there, my perspective now, looking back at that, is is incredible. And I can see that I did parlay my experiences and very uh, distinct examples too. I worked at an agency for uh, journalism and somebody that I dealt with on a daily basis called up and talked to me as like, hey, do you want to come work at Time Magazine and, you know, work with me and be my researcher? And I was like, one, two, three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I had no idea how to do that job, but I figured it out. You know, so so that's what the book concept is about. And I think it's it's gonna be very interesting to to investigate it in terms of not only my story, but other people's stories. Sure. I, I'm very interested in from A to Z, how did you get over here? It'll be interesting to the way people have utilized creativity or even their definition of it, right? And how it sort of impacts the different stories that you'll be revealing yeah. throughout it. Please come back to us when the book is is ready for for us to consume. Oh yes, I will. <laughs> we would love we would love to read it and share it with our listeners as well. You're writing the book because you felt it was missing. I I assume. Yeah. What was it about creativity specifically that you wanted to reframe or to share with other people? Well, first of all, I think that 
generally, there are very few women that share stories about creativity, mm. in my opinion. Mm. I mean, and I think whenever a woman shares the perspective of creativity, whatever it may be, it's very powerful and needed uh, in the world. I think that women are underrepresented in other categories as well. But for me, this is where I want to put my focus on. And, and um, the, the reason that I am attracted to it is that I uh, parlay to me means creativity is a big word. It's kind of like conjures up uh, visions of a creative director, a very kind of, uh, you know, serious business. But creativity can also be used on your base level, you know, in your life every day. It's like it's the choices you make mm -hmm. and it's the ideas that you get while you make those choices that can sort of project you into something else that you never expected to uh, go towards. So it's a little bit fuzzy, but yeah, that, that's basically it. I think I'm absolutely getting kind of the core of yeah. what you're talking about, but I'd love to know if you have just an easy sort of example for us. <laughs> Earlier, you talked about creativity and, and travel or something. Like, give us maybe a simple example of how creativity informs your decision-making process. I have a, an example that I talk about as one of my own greatest example of thinking on my thinking on my feet and being very creative with my uh, reaction. So this is this is the scene. I had a partnership with a with a former friend uh, with photography. It didn't work out. We had done it for eighteen months. He called me into the office um, and said, "I'm so sorry, this is not working, and um, I'm going to have to end the partnership." In a split second, my outside was like this. Oh my God, that's too bad. My inside was like, yay. <laughs> in an instant in my mind, I saw the map like, okay, letting go of this, this is where I'm going. It's like the ability to, it's almost even a problem solving skill. Like yeah. you have the ability to see and, and it's a little bit of an optimism too. It's like, okay, this thing is in front of me. So I know how to take what's out there, what I have access to and cobble up something else because I've allowed my brain to think outside of black and white or narrow or rigid sort of framework. Yeah. And it's also in a way taking a pointer from something that's greater than you, mm -hmm. that's telling you this is not working. You're going this way yeah. and going, okay, yeah, 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 I'll go there. It's almost like utilizing those moments in life and seeing them as freedom rather than, I mean, th they can be disappointing in the moment. I think it's okay to be real with those of us who are dealing with those those outcomes in a disappointing way or in a hard way. But I think also the ability then to see beyond them. Okay, what is this? This is actually creating opportunity for something else. That's right, because I, I could have reacted in a completely different way. Like, what, are you kidding me? This is terrible, and sure. how could you do this to me? I mean, that reaction could have been there too. Do you mind me asking how old you were when that happened? I was probably uh, 49. Okay, so at that point, you had already had enough of life under your belt to exercise that muscle to say, okay, this is uh, potentially, in this gentleman's mind anyway, it was a negative thing, but it had a positive outcome. 
life had taught you enough that when there's a, you know, a door closes, a window opens kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I was the same person who started a photography agency just because why not? Right. You know, I I find that as I look at my life now, I, I find that I've done stuff like that all my life. I mean, with my how I met my husband, Danny, how we bought our house, how we moved, how we operated in the world. And I think it's the lack of fear kind of somewhere knowing that I'll be always be okay. You know, I'll be okay. It's okay. Change is good. Yeah. Yeah. I invite it. And, and it is, yeah. that is a muscle that you learn in life. I mean, I think of my, my oldest daughter right now who, when things don't go her way, it feels like, you know, oh my gosh, it's, everything's ruined. It's like, no, yeah, <laughs> trust me, right. everything is not ruined. And the more you exercise that muscle, the more you actually relax into those moments and say, there's something else for me and some, there will be a different outcome. And I can That's sort of- That's very true. How, do you mind if I ask how old your daughter is? She's 19. So she's a sophomore oh, yeah. in college and really going through, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna be? How am I gonna sort of navigate this world? And so, mm -hmm. you know, She's also a firstborn girl, which I has something to do with it too, but she she really <laughs> likes having her ducks in a row. And I think trying to teach her that that's just not, managing your ducks is not the most optimal life, right? Yeah. You're gonna have yeah. to just let things unfold a little bit. Do your part, show up, you know, do, do the hard work. But the people who succeed are people who can sort of navigate the wind and how it blows. Yeah, and I, I talked to somebody else about this, and I realized that, you know, I was very privileged because I grew up in a time without social media, yeah. Instagram and TikTok. And nobody really paid attention. Yeah, Nobody cared. Like, uh, we talked about, like, how did you, your ambition and were you ambitious and uh, did pay, people pay attention? And I said, no, because I don't think that there was a way to to fail really because nobody paid attention. Yeah. So I think that your daughter maybe also possibly feels some pressure from that. For sure. Like everybody will know if you don't For sure. If you don't For succeed. sure. And you can see other people succeeding oh, yeah. in a really yeah. early stage. That's a really good yeah. point. I hadn't thought of that. So we're talking about age and the things that we're learning from age. How do you think that this decade of your life is informing the work that you're doing or the work that you're choosing to do? Well, I find myself with an enormous appetite on life and, and travel and a huge curiosity for things that I had no interest in before. So I think that it just, it's kind of like a self-feeding machine. Mm -hmm. the, the more uh, curious I get, the more it sort of informs my creativity. So I, I, I see a notable difference even just from five years ago. So I think that that is, that's a, a very big theme in my life and will be probably in the future because I got really big plans. Uh, so That's awesome. <laughs> and, and so inspiring, probably inspiring to the women that work for you and, and friends and peers. And what do you say to the woman who hears you say, I have really big plans and she thinks it's too late to start something? What do you say to her? Oh, I mean, what everybody really says about that topic, which is it's never, never, ever too late. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. and I, I have a great role model, and I talk about my father, who was a painter. He he was artistically inclined all of his life, but he was his dream was to be a painter, like a landscape painter. Mm -hmm. And he started when he was fifty, and he had shows. He sold work. He I have his work all over my my house, and he's a, he's a very big inspiration because first of all, uh, he was blind in one eye. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, and he started painting when he was 50 and he traveled and he just really loved it. And he's a real inspiration for me because he could have said, oh, it's too hard, you know. Yeah. But I think it's never, ever too late. And also, uh, if you don't try, if you don't, if you don't mm. sort of put yourself out there, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. Yeah. And that is a tremendous loss, both to yourself and to the world and the things that you have to, to offer the world. So wanted to get into what we call our fast five really quickly and just ask you a few quick questions. So what's a favorite hack or practice, something you do on perhaps a regular basis that you think women over 40 should know and could benefit from? It's not really anything to know. It's something to do. Mm. I think women over 40 should go for a one hour walk every morning. Uh, between uh, seven and eight, no headphones, just walk and let creativity and thoughts come to them. Mm. Wow, to carve out an hour for ourselves, right? <laughs> That's exactly what we should be doing. But I like your point of the no headphones, because often when I'm walking, I'm tuning into some podcast or some audio book or something. Yeah. And it is very different when I completely unplug and just can hear my own thoughts, but then can hear thoughts outside of myself. You know what I do? Just mm -hmm. another tip with that walk thing yeah. uh, is that I bring my phone, but I put it on a recorder so that if I walk and I get an idea, I go like, I, I record my thoughts. Because a lot of things happen when you move your body in a rhythmical way. So I think, yeah, you could bring your phone, but you don't, don't, don't listen like to it. it. Don't listen to Just it. Record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great tip. Is there a project that you've done within Snyder that you're particularly proud of? Is there something that you love to point out to people and say, this is the kind of work that we're capable of doing? Well, I can't be partial. Yeah. I, I just have to say, <laughs> because they're all our children. Yes, I love them equally. Say. Yeah, but I actually can say one thing. And that is like in the category of uh, CG and 3D animation, it, women are underrepresented. And I'm very proud of the fact that we have many um, artists that are women that do this work in this category, mm. specifically Lulu Joao and Steph Ramplin, who are the leaders in the in, in our agency for this kind of work. And, and there are many others as well. But uh, the two of them have really done incredible work. So I'm very proud of the fact that we have over 50% women artists in the agency as well. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. And something to be very proud of. I have to ask you this question. If there's a panel of brands in front of you, potential advertisers in front of you, and they're all looking to you, Christina, to tell them what kind of messaging should we be getting across, visual or copywriting or anything as we speak to women over 40, what do you want to say to those brands? I want to say to those brands to really 
um, be very, very sensitive and listen. I mean, listening and learning is very important. I think that there is a tendency for brands to speak to women as if we were kind of uniform. Mm -hmm. We know now that the world is very, it's multidimensional when it comes to gender, sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's so much more layered than when often what comes out in advertising. So I think just be curious and, and open your eyes and your ears, kind of. I think advertising is a bit behind doing that sure. because it feels very, very uh, stereotypical sometimes. Yeah. So I always mm -hmm. say that it seems like advertisers think we should be cleaning or taking medications. <laughs> That's about it. So I, I look forward to seeing them catch up. And as brands are being created now for women over 40, it seems like there's no way except for advertisers to start to to pay attention or agencies who are creating that work to pay attention to what those needs are. Yeah, look, I mean, it's like most of the creative directors that make those ad campaigns for medication are men. Yeah, it So it's sense. very simple, you know, more women in advertising in high positions that can make yeah, decisions and talk to brands about what women actually are like. Yes, that would yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Let's do more yeah. of that. So tell me if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing about midlife, like just give her some advice. What would you say to her about this season? Well, I remember I wrote an essay when I was like 18 about when I am 50 and I was, I had this like incredible, like daring thought. Yeah. When I'm 50, I'm going to wear really fun clothes and I'm going to have a red beret <laughs> to me that was like wow that's amazing um i think what i would say to myself is you have no idea you're gonna arrive and you're gonna be like wow this is it this is yeah. this is fantastic i agree and i i hope more of that messaging can get out to our you know, the, the yeah. generation younger than us, because there is so much to look forward to. There's There are things to navigate, to be sure, and they need our voices for that too. But there is so much to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so much more to come for us. We're not, we're not done yet either. Our brand is Liberty Road. And so much a part of it is we look at these things that we go through in life and we try and understand how they've liberated us. How has launching and growing and managing Snyder uh, liberated you? Well, it's liberated me in so many ways, actually. The first liberation point was deciding how to shape the company and deciding that the company would be, because I wanted to work from my house in the Adirondacks, that we would be fully remote. Mm. And since I took that decision and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit in an office. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't suit me. I was done. I was like, nope. That was an incredible uh, empowerment for me. On that note, I, I, I think just owning something and being able to make decisions about everything and that is the biggest sense of power that I have. And that's the best thing because I'm in charge with our wonderful team, obviously. But I, I have the power to make decisions that make sense for me and for the other people in the team. 
Yeah, I think that launching something or entrepreneurship, I'll say, while it's not for everyone, for those that embark on that path, it is. it teaches us so much about ourselves, what we want, what we don't want, what we appreciate, yeah. and how to sort of exercise those muscles. It seems as though you've embraced that well and have been able to to really put Snyder on the map and all of the people that you represent in a way that is beyond even, you know, the work that you're doing. Like it's exponential. What has liberated you is liberating so many other people. I think so too. And obviously I want to say again, I have not done this on my own. Mm. Uh, I have made decisions and I've been been the impetus behind it, but I am eternally grateful to the team, the larger team at Snyder and also to our artists because without our artists, we wouldn't be here. So, so it's, it's support both ways and it's, yeah, it's a really good feeling. Well, and the, the fact that you're able to acknowledge that must mean well, one, it's probably why you've had so much success with your team, because you were able to share that, which is not always the case with people at the helm. So that speaks volumes. And then also, I think when people feel like they're part of something meaningful, they're part of the greater good, then they feel like their impact has meaning and they want to stick around and they want to be a part of it and they want to stay. They don't they don't need to sort of hop around. So that's, that's a, uh, we're tipping our hat to you uh, there. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much <laughs> for spending this time with us. Look forward to seeing the artists that you represent in the, in the, in the commercial work that we see on a regular basis and saying, Hey, I think that's a Snyder brand. And, and I'm serious about coming back and letting us know when, when the book is ready. Cause boy, that's so great. That's, that what a great book to be able to, to dive into and learn more about ourselves. And then the things that creativity can sort of bring forth the fruit that can come from it. So thank you for that, Christina. Well, thank you, Nana. It's, it was so terrific to talk to you. Liberty listeners, thank you for tuning in and hanging out with Christina and hanging out with me today. Know that you'll learn so much from this. And again, we'll bring all of Christina's handles to you so you can check out the amazing work that they're doing at Snyder. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.